On this episode, I interview TJ Norman of Oklahoma Wildlife Solutions. We talk about building a subscription-based wildlife control company and how this can help you grow very safely and strategically. I hope you enjoy it. TJ, thank you for joining me today. I really wanted to get you on here. You had reached out to me and we had a brief discussion yesterday and earlier in the week talking about the subject that some of us cringe on. Um, But before we get into that, tell everybody who you are and what you do and where you're at. So I'm TJ Norman, uh, owner, operator, however you want to call it, Oklahoma Wildlife Solutions in uh, Oklahoma City, Edmond area. And uh, I also run Oklahoma Honeybee Removal. Uh, I didn't LLC that one though, just the, it's under a branch or, you know, whatever you want to call it. Uh, just me, a uh, single operator. I have uh, a couple of guys that come in and work with me on honeybee removals. Uh, having a second guy there is really helpful on that. Um, yeah, I, uh, was a high school science teacher for a few years and then did this part-time. And then it got to the point where I was making more money doing this than teaching school and not dealing with all the headaches of teaching school. So I, uh, quit teaching about six years ago and went full-time doing wildlife removal. And, uh, that's where it is. Awesome, man. I'm glad you joined. Um, thank you for spending your morning with me today. So, what what grade were you teaching? Uh, mostly freshmen. Uh, I did have every, a little bit of everything. I taught biology. I taught physical science. I taught anatomy, phys, um, botany at one point or another, AP environmental science at one time. Um, I went to college for just general science education at the high school level, so I could do a little bit of everything. Awesome. So freshman, high school freshman, right? Yes. God, I hated my freshman year in high school. <laughs> I, I, can, I, I respect you so much for wanting to go back there after graduating because I never wanted to go back to high school ever again or be anywhere near that place. Um, so props to you for doing that. Well, both my parents are middle school uh, teachers, and so teaching's always been a thing for me, and, and I enjoy teaching. It's like, you know, as I'm sure most of uh, us wildlife guys know, you know, you've got two different uh, people. One person wants to stand there and tell the client, you know, every bit of, bio- of biology about the animal and all that kind of stuff, and then the other guy just wants to get the job done, and I'll find myself talking to the client for 15, 20 minutes, you know, just teaching them everything about the animal and that kind of stuff uh, before I even get the work done. You know, so teaching is still a huge part of what I do, uh, that education aspect. And so being able to do that, you know, teach somebody something that they didn't know about, you know, whatever it is, raccoons or squirrels or skunks or, you know, whatever it is, that's, that's a, that's a great combination to, to being able to then solve the problem and uh, you know, go on from there and they learn something and, you know, I got a job. Right. So, um, teaching science, any particular subjects within science? Uh, the environmental science is always my, my favorite. I mean, just, you know, when you grow up hunting and fishing in that kind of environment, being able to 
to learn a little bit more. You know, it's it's one of those things like your good old boys that grow up hunting and fishing, you know, they may not understand all the interactions that happen at a ecosystem level. And then when you add that, you know, college level degree, and of course I didn't do any of the wildlife biologies or anything like that in college, you know, but those guys, if, you know, if there's one thing that a, that a normal, you know, quote unquote redneck hunter can learn, it's to listen to those biologists and field guys, because the knowledge that they have is, you know, way higher than you're ever going to learn, even sitting in a tree stand hundred days a year kind of a thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a different perspective. Uh, so where was your major? Just general science education. Uh, okay. Originally, originally I was uh, going to school for forensic science, uh, CSI type stuff. Um, yeah, long story short, just switched to general ed uh, just to get a job as soon as I left uh, college instead of trying to get, you know, it would have taken a couple of years to get a CSI position, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, just got a job right out of high school or right out of college teaching high school. So when you say CSI, you're referring to crime scene investigation? Yes. Yeah, that's what my so wife kinda, does. That's why that's what we meant. Okay. Yeah, and that does come in handy as well. Uh, there's a lot of yeah. that kind of, you know, looking for for clues, looking for, you know, what's going on, why is it like that? You know, what's the story here? You know, all that kind of stuff. So that that college background really helps in the in the wildlife field for sure. Yeah, one hundred percent. I would say that you are in a way a crime scene investigator now with the type of work that we do. You really got to be uh, very observant of every little bit of information. We talked the other day. You had reached out um, talking about recurring revenue, and it's something very important to me. Obviously, we drill it down everybody's throat on here because it just makes it. In my opinion, it makes your business so much easier to operate and for you to hit, you know, monthly revenue goals. Um, it's easier for you to grow because you're starting each month with, uh, you know, hopefully bigger revenue than you did last month because you sold more uh, recurring accounts. And I think it's really even advantageous if you don't want to grow to be really big because, again, the amount of time and work that goes into making one sale, you finish that sale and then, well, now you have to go find the next one. Um, whereas you sell one recurring account, if they stay and you show the value, you know, it's a lot easier for you to grow uh, over time. So wanted to kind of get a little bit into that. So you had asked me a little bit about you know, how to get started. And we're talking about different credit card processors and, and things like that. Um, so I don't even think I know, do you, do you, right now, are you currently trying to sell anything that's recurring? Um, I have, I've sold probably about a half dozen already and I don't even have the ability to, to do it yet. Um, just so, you know, I'll give you all of my numbers. It doesn't matter to me. Um, most of the time when someone calls with like a ground trapping problem, um, I charge, I charge $350 to go out, do an inspection, set up my cages, 
and that includes the first removal. Uh, and then I charge 200 a piece on any additional removal. Um, I have found that gets me into probably 60 to 70 percent uh, of my of my jobs that come in, of calls that come in, uh, and that's perfectly fine with me. Uh, I'm busy enough as it is, you know, with wife and kids and sports and all the things that I do outside of that. Um, that's a good enough close rate for me. Uh, so what I had been doing is when I finish job, you know, say I catch two armadillos or whatever. So I send them a bill for $750, uh, $550 would be what, what that would be. Um, I would tell them, if you call me within 12 months, uh, I'll waive the inspection fee and I'll just come back out and we'll just do the per removal fee. So if they called me in six months, they, hey, another armadillo is tearing up the yard. I've already been there. I already know the house. I grab a couple of traps, run out there, throw some traps on the ground, catch an armadillo the next day, and I just send them a bill for 200 bucks. Uh, so what I was thinking the other day, you know, I was listening to your podcast a couple of weeks ago, and um, I was like, oh, if I, I'm already waiving the inspection fee within 12 months, so why don't I come up with some sort of plan to put them on a you know, $20 a month type service charge. And that, you know, that's $240 a year. And if they call me within a year, I'm, I'll just tell them, hey, I'm gonna waive your service fee because you've already paid me $240. So they're making, you know, they make $110 technically uh, on that type of deal. Now they don't know, they would know that I'm already, I had already been waiving that fee, but I'm just, you know, not going to waive it anymore. If they don't want to go through a, you know, that process, they call me back in six months, I'm going to charge them the setup fee again. Uh, and so I've, I'm just trying to figure out, you know, where that sweet spot is. Uh, I've talked to a few clients um, just the last week. I've got three or I've got three guys right now that I'm working that are reoccurring clients. They've called me back, you know, three or four times in the last 18 months, skunks digging in the backyard because they got a bird feeder in the backyard, but you know, uh, and it just, I feel like I'm making more money and they're gonna save money. It's a win-win for everybody. So now I just gotta figure out how to word it, how to, you know, document it correctly in a invoicing system or, a, you know, revenue system or get their credit card on file, some sort of system. My, uh, my invoicing system that I use, which is Joist, and I really, really like it, uh, it doesn't have the ability to do reoccurring revenue. I'd have to go in each month, create a new invoice, send the invoice, they'd have to fill out the paperwork again, they'd have to pay for it again. That's too clunky. So I've been looking into it, at least Square can do it. Uh, there's a few other, PayPal can do it. So I'm just looking to see what is the easiest. I don't need, uh, routing software at this point. I don't need payroll software at this point. Um, you know, literally all I need is the ability to take a credit card, save that credit card on file, and then that client doesn't have to worry about it anymore. I don't have to worry about it anymore. You know, I've been telling everybody this story the last couple of weeks since I've been talking about this, but my family is a member of the, of the YMCA and uh, we haven't been to the Y since before 2020. But every month, you know, their monthly fee is deducted from our bank account, um, you know, and 
to be honest, the Y does good work, so I don't mind paying them to help other people out, even if I'm not using it. You know, it'd be different if I was paying for a gym membership every month that I don't use because, you know, there's no benefit there. But it's that same idea. I want to put that number at something that the client every month when that client sees that bill come out, they're like, that's not too bad. And if they see a problem, they're like, hey, I'm already paying for it. I'm going to call him up and then I'm going to charge him that per removal fee anyway. So, you know, they get a value because, you know, it's not as expensive if they were to call me up front or as a new client um, and I'm going to get paid both the reoccurring revenue and each time I actually have to go out there and set a trap when I catch one, I'm going to, I'm going to get paid again for that. that Yeah. Are you following me? I'm following you, man. No, (laughs) your head's in the right place. And I'm glad that you see the, the goodness of it. You know, I think a lot of us, if you were to ask us, what's the lifetime value of, of one residential customer, most people can't answer that question. And it's really hard to answer that question when, you know, we have one customer that might call us once or twice a year, every year. You have another one that calls you once and they never call you again. You never see them again. And sometimes that's a good thing. Um, but uh, most of the time, it's not a good thing. So how do you solve that problem? And then the other big problem, um, we focus a lot on M&A is you know when you look at the larger companies out there that will buy a business a lot of them are very hesitant to buy a wildlife company unless they are highly recurring i've had several guests on here in the past that work for uh, private equity backed pest control companies that are doing over 80 million a year in revenue for most of that for most of us that's just like way out in uh, you know, that's just a humongous business compared to most of ours. And they have told me, look, we will buy a wildlife company, but only if it's highly recurring. And there's, there's a lot of good things about that. Um, and I, I've talked about it a lot on here is we just lost TJ. So hopefully he'll get back on here. Uh, are you still there? I'm, I'm, I'm still here. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. I just turned the gotcha. uh, video off. My, my oh, data okay. is, it, it was giving me a warning saying, uh, you know, it's slow connection or something like that. So hopefully this Got it. keeps it a little smoother. No, yeah, yeah. I can hear you fine. So, but anyways, yeah. So like if you're going to run your business and if you're going to work 50 hours, I don't know what kind of hours you work, 50, 60, you know, some people work crazy hours, 80, 100 hours. If you're going to put in the time and you're going to sacrifice you know, family, friends, relationships, uh, hobbies, and stuff like that to build a business, you might as well build something that not only cash flows and can give you financial opportunity today, but can also prepare you for the future. Because can you imagine, uh, TJ, and I don't, I don't know all your goals and ambitions, but can you imagine 10 years from now or 20 years from now when you want to retire and maybe you have employees, maybe you don't. Can you imagine, you know, putting up your business for sale and six months goes by, a year goes by, and nobody wants to buy it? Um, and, you know, it, it, you're just like, okay, well, what do I do? I have all these customers that, are, that keep calling. What do I do? And unfortunately, a lot of operators in our industry, they end up just selling off, you know, equipment um, one, yeah, one so at a time. 
There's a guy here in Oklahoma that's been trying to sell his business for the last 10 years or so to get out of it. And, and every year he's like, I'm just, I just keep working. I still have clients. They still call me. I'm still doing the job, but I'd much rather be out of it. And I think it's that deal. You know, there's, there's not enough value to anybody else, but him, you know, to buy it from him, especially, you know, for what he's right. asking for it. And I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, but I can, I can definitely understand why somebody doesn't want to come in and buy a company and then they got to turn around and just work the company. Um, you know, if it wasn't for me, this company wouldn't exist. So I oh, can well. definitely see the value in creating a situation that runs without you so that, you know, you could, you can sell the company and, you know, stay as a advisor or, you know, stay as a part-time role or, you know, all those deals. And that, that's, you know, I don't know where I'll be in, in 10 years or 20 years from now, but I don't want to be, I don't want to be huge. I don't want the headache of being huge, but if, you know, if you can make it where it's not a headache, then why not? You know, you right. have had that discussion about, you know, your, you know, kind of what you do and all the things, all the the branches and all the the fingers that you have out and everything. And then I don't know if I want to have that many, you know, fingers out and irons in the fire and that kind of stuff. But at the same time, if you create a system that runs on its own, you know, you don't have to be there. Right. Yeah. And it's not like, well, I, it doesn't run itself so much as I don't have to be, you know, I'm not, taking a lot of time in front of customers i'm not answering phones i'm not you know selling jobs um i will sell jobs you know big big stuff that come in or look at rfps and stuff like that but it's just kind of figuring out okay what's the best use of my time and as you grow you figure out okay what's more beneficial for me to do exclusion work or do trapping services or is it to, you know, build a team and advise that team and give them responsibility and opportunity to grow? And I think that's one thing I've seen just because we've we've taken, not intentionally, but we've taken employees from competitors. And back in the day, I've had people leave our company and of course people still leave today. But I think that it's important for employees to know what kind of upward mobility there is especially if you want if you want people that care more in your company those people that are growth minded they don't want to just make the same amount of money every year they want to see where is the opportunity for me to make more money over time because let's be honest if your revenue is staying the same forever uh, or maybe it just goes up a little bit based off of uh, inflation and you're not growing at all then how are you going to afford to give people raises or or more benefits or anything like that you're probably not because you're just going to start making less money and they'll start making more money and eventually you won't make any money because everybody's got to raise every you know couple years or whatever it is um so i think it's important to grow that's kind of our whole spiel to anybody that comes to work for us is you can start here as a technician and you know you can create an opportunity for yourself where you then move into sales and you then move into um, you know a manager of some sort a branch manager that starts here can move into a regional manager or another executive role over time so you know we just try to create that for them it's it's bigger than me right at the end of the day it's not just about me 
it's how can I give value, right. not I think, just to myself, but to other people. Right. I, I think there's a lot of guys um, that might be, you might be speaking just way outside of their, you know, hopes and dreams and wishes. Um, you know, because I think the vast majority, and I don't know the numbers off this, but at least here in Oklahoma, I know that uh, the vast majority of operators are single, part-time, you know, guys that just do it because they love trapping and it's a way to make some money because fur trapping doesn't make any money anymore. You know, we have, I think there's about 160 or so licensed guys here in Oklahoma and probably 20 of them are companies, you know, and most of those, I mean, like Terminex has a few guys listed, True Tech has a few guys, uh, Wildlife X team is kind of a bigger player here in the Southwest region. Um, and then there's an actual a couple of local companies that have, you know, four or five guys employed and that kind of stuff. But the vast majority of wildlife control guys, in my opinion, are happy being the only guy. And so I think being able to create a reoccurring revenue system where that when they do want to retire, they can sell it for something, you know, more than just pennies on the dollar. And, oh, yeah. And not, and not have to work till they die. You know, like yeah. I said, there's the guy here, there's the guy here in Oklahoma. It's, you know, he's not, I wouldn't call him old, but you know, when you've been doing the same thing for 30 years, you'd like to spend time with grandkids. You'd like to, you know, not be day to day. You know, he's, you know, he's still, he's still a tech basically, you know, yeah, he's got yeah. four or five employees, but he's, you know, he's still a tech daily. He still goes and does the work daily. Um, yeah. And I don't know if I want to transition out of that tech role. Um, I enjoy catching animals, you know, sure. uh, I do not enjoy, I do not enjoy doing the exclusion work. You know, I've always made the joke that if I wanted to be a handyman, I'd advertise to be a handyman. Um, you know, it just, that's just not, it's just not me, you know? And so, you know, that would help me out a, a bunch if I found somebody that, that loved to do that handyman work as much as I love to do the trapping, you know, and then you've got, you know, a, an employee or a partner, you know, however you want to set that up. But mm -hmm. I just, you know, like I said, you, you talk about reoccurring revenue all the time and I'm just trying to figure out how it works for the situation that I'm in. Uh, sure. You know, and, and I, and I don't know if I'm going to try to sell it to say a squirrel job. Because in my in my experience, you catch the squirrel, you close the hole up. That person is never has a, a squirrel problem again. Um, whereas a skunk digging in the yard, you can't. There is no permanent solution for that. An armadillo cruising through, you know, there's no permanent solution. Uh, you know, raccoons flipping sod, you know, that kind of stuff. There's just not a, a permanent solution for that. And so having a, a reoccurring, uh, you know, an on call fee, you know, and that's, that's the other deal is just trying to figure out what I want to call it, you know, so that the, the client sees the value without me spending 30 minutes and explaining it to them, um, you know, works. Whereas, yeah. you know, a raccoon in an attic, catch the raccoon, close up the attic, you know, do any kind of cleaning out, whatever you need to do, you know, seal it up. You, you should never have to visit that house again because they should never have a wildlife problem again. Um, you know, and that's that's what I'm thinking. Now I'll probably offer them the the monthly fee because why wouldn't you? And they may yep. want to do it just for peace of just for peace of mind. You know, sure. We uh, 
we joke a lot in in my circle that a lot of times that's exactly what we do we are we just provide peace of mind somebody calls us because they're freaking out because you know there's a snake in the backyard or you know they hear something going bump in the in the middle of the night we go out we take a look and you know it's the air conditioner pipe rattling up there you know but we solved their problem they paid us for you know a non-existent problem but at the same time we gave them peace of mind because you know they're freaking out that something's in their attic so there may be there may be clients that want to stay on you know at twenty dollars a month just to know they always can call me i'll be there you know that kind of deal um that's one question i wanted to yeah. ask you is what's your um on your you know, we talked the other day you've got some of those type of clients where they can call you uh with a problem and they're already on the list um do you offer any type of you know within 24 hours or you know 48 hours or do you say hey you know we're gonna we're gonna clear our plate we're gonna get to you as soon as possible but don't actually give them any kind of uh you know hourly guarantee or anything like that kind of like what do you do if if you had somebody that's on a you know, uh, whatever it is, $75 a month, you know, we go out, we do their, you do your, their pest control for them. And all of a sudden an armadillo shows up and they call you, you know, kind of what, what happens at that point in your system? Yeah. So we, um, so I'll, I'll, I'll use one location as an example because it's kind of new to that location and it's kind of a new way of how we, uh, increase the recurring revenue. So for this location, we have one technician and this technician handles the majority of any trapping situation. So let's say, you know, mice in an attic or rats in an attic or raccoons, whatever it is. And then also the outdoor situations, you know, trapping armadillos in the yard or groundhogs, moles. Um, and then he also handles our pest control side. So we try to set up his schedule to where it's, it's, uh, very efficient as far as routing goes. So if a customer calls in um, that has a, a service that includes armadillos or snakes or whatever, we're going to schedule that customer based off of when he's already going to be in that neighborhood. Um, so, you know, we're, we're doing certain zip codes or neighborhoods uh, in one day. And then of course, every day is not perfect. He might have to go outside of that area and do other things that might come up that might be urgent. Um, but if it's not urgent, hey, I just saw a, a spot in the yard where an armadillo dug. Um, you know, we're going to look at his schedule and say, okay, he's going to be in that area tomorrow or in uh, next Monday or whatever it is. And we'll be out that day to uh, get a trap set up. Um, most of the time, that's not a problem with the customers. Now, if it is, and obviously we try to do everything we can to cater to the customer. I think every situation is different. We all know there's certain customers that aren't going to wait until Monday. What am I paying for if you're not going to come out until Monday? So right. uh, there's reasonable and there's unreasonable. So obviously we don't want to miss out on that recurring customer. So, okay, let's see if there's anybody else that can drop a trap off there. Everybody that works for us knows how to trap armadillos. So can somebody else go out there and drop a trap? Can a manager go out there and drop a trap? And that's kind of how we handle it. I guess if you're a one-man operator, um, I think, you know, I personally, if I was a one-man operator and I was doing it, I would make it very vague. Uh, I wouldn't state on a service agreement that we're going to respond within 24 hours. 
Uh, if a customer were to ask me that question, I would just say, look, we're going to respond as fast as possible, uh, depending on the urgency of the situation. Um, I don't know if y'all have a lot of, y'all have rattlesnakes in Oklahoma? Yeah, but not in my neck of the woods. I'm kind of right in the middle between two species. There's some to the east and there's some to the west, but I had never had one. I've never had one call in like the urban or suburban area. I've had a few copperhead okay. calls around the, the more rural areas. Um, we should have timber rattlers to the east and we have the, the eastern diamondback to the west of me. But no, don't have a whole, it's, it's black rat snakes and diamondback water snakes and plain-bellied water snakes. Those are the three that uh, we get the most snakes called. And I hate snake calls because by the time yeah. you get there, they're usually gone. Exactly, which is, that's a great opportunity for recurring service. My point is, for some customers, you know, even if it's not a venomous snake, they do not want you to wait to come out and get a snake. So if they see a snake in, they, in their yard and they have a snake service, yes, we're going to try to get out there as fast as possible. That obviously makes it tough if you already had other customers scheduled. Um, but, you know, you just kind of have to, you have to look at situations i think when you're a one-man operator and i've spent many time out there as a one-man operator and just prioritize what's the most important thing um what's the most important thing as far as revenue goes and keeping value in my business what's the most important thing to be an ethical business person and you know what's the most important thing as far as actual emergencies and you kind of have to merge those three together to figure out okay, what's the next step here? Um, I don't think there's like one right answer. So that's kind of the way that I've always done it is just kind of juggled. And then just based off of the customer's tone, if the customer sounds like they're going to probably cancel if you don't show up and you want to keep this account, well, then I might just have to reschedule somebody else. I think most reasonable customers are going to be very understanding if you tell them, I have an emergency situation. This person has a snake. Uh, you know, <laughs> I think most people are going, yeah. okay, you're here to trap armadillos. This person has a snake and they have children. I can understand the urgency. The armadillo is not going to attack you. Um, so yeah. I, I got to go take care of the snake instead. I will be out tomorrow rather than today to get you situated for your armadillos. If anything, they're going to appreciate the fact that you are taking care of an urgent matter. Uh, even though it's not to benefit right. them, but I think a customer they're, can see they're a good company. They're going to take care of their customers. So that's how yeah, I Yeah, and if they that. had a problem in the future, yeah, absolutely. And they're thinking, well, if I have a problem in the future, you know, it, they're going to offer that service to me, then heck yeah, I'm going to take that because it might be me with the snake next time. You know? Yeah, it would be no different. That's, Your wife works in CSI. It would be no different if, there's one case where, hey, we need a CSI person out here because somebody stole jewelry or, hey, we just had a recent murder and there's been a, a series of similar murders. Which case is it more urgent for her to go show up on? So right. um, it's a similar situation. But yeah, as far I'm as, you, um, go ahead. I'm glad you brought up, uh, you know, kind of ethics, morality and that kind of stuff. It you know, it's going to be different for each person in each, you know, area probably. But that's something that I've always struggled with because it's hard for me to, it's hard for me to charge somebody 
you know, $2,500 to seal up their house. When in the back of my mind, I know that, you know, $500 to close up the original hole is going to solve the problem 99% of the time, you know, and I'm not, and I'm not saying, you know, either right or wrong or anything like that, but that's part of the reason that I'd never gotten into kind of a, I'd never thought real hard about trying to get reoccurring revenue because I just wasn't seeing the value to the customer. You know, I just saw it as a way for the company to make money and it wasn't, and it wasn't offering the client any value until, like I said, you know, I'm like, wait a minute, I'm already doing this for the client. Let's offer them, you know, value, change, change the mindset up a little bit. And as long as, you know, everybody's happy, then, you know, that's, that's good enough for me. So yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I probably won't push a reoccurring type charge on a squirrel job because I don't know what value, you know, for that squirrel. Now I'll, I'll definitely sell them on, Hey, if a skunk ever came through the yard or an armadillo came through the yard, you know, or that kind of stuff. And they may still be like, yeah, that's great. I'm going to do that. You know, I said, you'll probably never see a squirrel again. You know, if I did my job right, you'll never see a squirrel again in, in the attic. You know, you'll never hear one in the attic or something like that. However, there's X, Y, Z that could happen. And we take care of that too. And, you know, I do honeybees. Uh, you know, there's, there's always a chance that a honeybee hive moves into somebody's house. You know, there's, it's pretty random, uh, on that kind of deal. So, but yeah, I just, I just like the fact that, that ethics are a part of, of your kind of mindset and, and that kind of stuff. Look, I am a God fearing man. I wake up and pray and I go to bed and pray and I pray probably a hundred times a day. If I, if I uh, wasn't a God fearing man, I probably would be dead by now. Um, but uh, we're in prison. Uh, no, we want to we want to do the right thing, right? And I'm and you brought up value. So value is in the eyes of the beholder. Like so, something to yeah. you that you know maybe an old family member gave to you is super valuable. But you're like, hey, what do you think about this? And I'm like, I don't want that. That's not valuable to me. So it's not. I feel like it's not our job to identify what's valuable to the customer. It's the customer choosing what's valuable to them. Um, so we don't offer things based off of what we think the customer wants. We present everything and say, you know, do you, you know, if you want this, you can buy it, but you know, you don't, we're not putting a gun to their head. No different than when you sit down at a restaurant and you look at a menu, they're giving you all of the options. They don't know what you want. So we give our customers pretty much, you know, we give them a proposal, but, it's a menu. They get to choose. What do you want? And obviously we give them all the advantages. And I would say the advantages to a recurring service for a customer who had squirrels in the attic. And, you know, I spent a lot of years doing a lot of exclusion work for a large pest control company. When I was first starting out, I got super lucky a couple years in and they were subbing me out to do exclusion work. We would do three or four exclusion work jobs a day. I went from a one man show to a six man show within three months. Um, so we were doing tons of exclusion work. And then part of my job, once we got to six people was doing follow-ups when there was a callback. And what was happening is we would go out and do the exclusion work and the pest control company, this is typically for rats. So not squirrels, but we definitely did a few for squirrels. We would go back, I would go back to go look at 
the exclusion work and we did, you know, a lot of times it would just be a basic situation. They tell us to seal off four openings and I go out there and I'm like, well, they, you know, they're getting in somewhere else because um, they're still hearing noises and, you know, they've, they've, they did their trapping, you know, several months ago, they caught the rats or the squirrels or whatever, um, or we just sealed them out and now they're having problems again. And sometimes it was animals chewing their way back in probably half the time. And the other half the time was, you know, small construction gaps that were just simply overlooked by the salesperson at that pest control company. So we would then go back to the pest control company. Hey, you guys missed these openings. Um, that's why they're having a problem. We need to charge you for it. They would end up having to eat it because they were giving a customer like a full warranty against whatever animal and then we would go back out there and fix it so because i saw that so often with them um we just kind of got under the the mindset of more is better and i actually learned that from one of our first salespeople that we hired um like we know there might be a point zero 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 one percent chance of an animal getting in through these other areas of your house it's it's not my job to i'm not psychic we don't know if that's going to happen or not so you know if we do anything we want to make sure going back to ethics that we inform them of every little spot on the house that might be a problem it might not be a problem but we really don't know we certainly know it could be a problem and if it could be a problem, well, then we need to address it. No different than, you know, let's say you bring your vehicle into, uh, you know, somewhere to get your oil changed and they notice, hey, your <laughs> brakes are, are bad. Um, I certainly want them to let me know if my girlfriend needs new brakes or if she has brake line issues and their brakes aren't going to work. Um, maybe they're fine, but let's not take a chance. So, um, for us, I think a lot of that was just driven based off of, you know, what we saw in the field of let's just go all in on every single one and give customers every option under the sun. If they don't want to do all the entry points, we give them a secondary option. We just do the areas that are problematic. So we go ahead and, and we'll let them know, hey, well, I don't want to do all of that stuff. What are my other options? We'll go ahead and present secondary options of just doing a partial exclusion, but of course those other areas are not under warranty. And I would say more times than not, um, that's when, like I saw one sale yesterday that came in, it was from a customer that only bought the partial option and now she has bats getting in a, a new area. Um, so, you know, that's the risk that customers take. Um, so I think exclusion is like insurance. You really don't need full coverage all the time. What's the chance of getting into a car accident? It's probably pretty low, but you know, when you do, or if you do, hope to God you don't, um, you'll be prepared. So I think that's kind of the way that we looked at it. And I sleep fine at night knowing that, uh, you know, we're creating, creating uh, a service that is beneficial long-term. Um, so that's kind of my two cents on that. Yeah, but, I, uh, I like I like what you said there. Um, you know, it's not really our job to offer that value judgment. You know, it's not our job to, to, it's our job to offer everything, but it's not our job to be like, you know, this is the value that you should take. 
because each person is going to be a little bit different. I've got some clients, you know, I did a honeybee job for, for a client and he was like, I never want to do this again. You know, give me a quote to seal the entire house. So I went over the house with a fine tooth comb, you know, because honeybees are really tiny and they easily get into a lot of different places, you know, and I gave him a quote. And then when he looked at the quote, he was like, you know what? I can pay you to do, you know, two or three more removals if they ever happen before, you know, I, I, and I, and I told him, I was like, look, I can't guarantee you that, you know, this will solve the problem. There could be some place that, you know, I don't even know about that a honeybee can get into, you know, and he's like, I understand that. I appreciate your honesty. You know, he's like, we'll just, you know, I'll just call you back if I ever have another honeybee hive get in my, get in my house. And I was like that, you know, and, and to me, that was the wiser decision, you know, even coming from me as the operator, you know, trying to seal every, you know, three eighths inch crack or hole in the side of a 5,000 square foot house, you know, that was going to be an exercise in utility, you know, for me. So I'm glad he didn't, you know, because what's going to happen is I seal everything up. He still has a problem, you know, and then I'm the bad guy. So, yeah. but give them yeah. all the options, you know, and make yeah. sure you explain yourself well, you know, explain your limitations. I think that's sometimes what we don't do a very good job at, you know, we come across as, you know, all knowing, or, you know, we're going to solve the problem absolutely hundred percent of the time, but be honest about what, what's going to happen or what you think might happen. Like you said, it might be a 0.00001%, but if you explain that to them, you know, most people are understanding about that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think there's there's a side of customers too where if they have a problem in a new area of the house that you didn't mention to them in regards to exclusion, they might be mad at you because you're like, no, that's not covered. It's going to be this much money. And they would say, well, why didn't you tell me that to begin with, that that could be a problem? So I guess we try right. to eliminate that. And I think that's probably, now that I think about it, that's probably more of a reason of why we always go all in. Because when I first started out, I didn't. And I was actually trained the company I worked for for two years before I started my own business. We didn't push full exclusion. It was seal up the entry point. It was never do full exclusion. We sold trapping and seal up the entry point. And not only did we leave a ton of money on the table, but we ended up having a lot of customers that were upset that, well, why don't you just do all this to begin with? There's obviously different levels of customers that want different things. You know, the high-end customer, a lot of times, they want the best of the best. Give me the very best thing that you have. Don't give me anything less than the best. I don't care how much money it is. You know, in situations like that, we're like, okay. Um, and, you know, they're happy to spend $60,000 on exclusion work or whatever. There's a, a blackbird walking up to me right now, if you can hear him, uh, outside of a hotel. So, pretty funny. Anyways, <laughs> um, they need bird control here, but the, uh, I'm at a hotel. They, uh, I think, you know, as far as exclusion work too, there is a benefit to offering a recurring service because how did the problem start? The problem started because there was some sort of an entry point, right? And if that entry point was chewed in, then I think that, um, you can potentially prevent a problem from happening happening again by keeping your eyes on that property. And that's kind of our pitch to the customer is, you know, let's say they had a pest control company that covered rodents for their house. 
and they didn't ever notify to the customer that there's these entry points on the house. Well, what are you paying them for? I thought they're experts in rodents. They didn't give you any information about entry points. And when you look at, um, what is it called? Uh, integrated pest management. When you look at integrated pest management, one of the core principles is to do something that's preventative. And a lot of pest control companies, um, I'm sure they want their technicians pointing these things out that maybe they're not because they don't offer exclusion work, but they have a lot of entry points on houses where they're covering rodents. So it's really easy for us to take over that customer, even if they don't want to buy pest control or maybe we can't offer pest control in that state. We can sell them an inspection program. And as far as, as uh, along with just coming out there and doing an inspection, you know, we're also doing some form of rodent control with traps or whatever's the legal method in that state without a pest control license. Uh, maybe it's not rodent control, maybe it's deterrence. And, you know, I would say that there's not all deterrents that are uh, super beneficial, but, you know, uh, us, a wildlife specialist with boots on the ground walking around that house is very beneficial versus anyone else that doesn't have that eye of what to look for. So we've sold accounts that are recurring just doing that, going out there monthly and, and looking. Um, and, you know, our customers are happy to have that. And that might sound silly, um, but our customers are like, yes, we want to prevent this. You know, maybe it's not. Uh, every month, maybe they're only willing to pay for once a year and that we tie into their warranty renewal each year. Um, so a lot of different ways to look at that. And if you want, I can get into different services that we're offering right now um, that we're turning into, you know, highly recurring revenue. So can you... Um if you don't mind, could you be specific, maybe a percentage of, uh, you know, your, if you were to call for a one-time inspections fee, you know, you charge 150 bucks. So does that mean you're going to charge the client $10 a month on a reoccurring service? And then once a year, you know, when during the year, are you going to go out there? Are you going to go out there anytime that they hear, uh, you know, a little noise? Because uh, that's been a, a fear that I've heard discussed, you know, in my circles is if you start offering something like that, you know, they're going to call you out every other week for for nothing, you know, and because it says, you know, free inspections or, you know, two inspections a year or however you want to word it, you know, kind of what's your what's your breakdown on, you know, what a one time service would have cost uh, and then try to convert that to a you know, reoccurring and then what are you, you know, are you going out there every month? Are you going out there every quarter? Is it kind of depend on what other services? So let's just go with, you know, in my example, I don't do, I can't do any chemicals. So I don't, right. I can't do any bait stations, I can't do any spraying, you know, I don't really have any desire to get into the pest control side. Um, you know, as we discussed the other day, kind of setting traps around a house is kind of a gray area, you know, here in Oklahoma. Uh, for depending on who, who, who for rodents yeah yeah sorry yeah. for mice and rats depending on who okay. you talk to um yeah so let's just you know if if you don't mind being specific for everybody else that's listening you know kind of what's your you know percentage of a one-time fee 
spread that over 12 months? Do you do a little more? Do you do a little less? You know, what are you looking for there? And then, you know, again, no, no chemicals, no monthly kind of trap check or anything, just that inspection fee once a year, four times a year, once a month, you know, or, yeah. you know, like everything else, is it just going to depend? So I'll give you an example of one that we just recently sold. Um, so this was actually, this is a bigger opportunity, but this is a homeowners association. Um, okay. They were having, they basically told us, they called us, Hey, we're having issues with bats. Um, uh, one of our sales guys, actually it was a manager went out there, met with the president of the HOA or the property manager. I'm not sure which one. And basically found out from them that they've had bat issues. And this is like multiple houses and buildings in a homeowners association. So this has been going on for years. So we know, okay, this place has had repeated bat issues. Um, so he went out, inspected every single building um, to identify which ones had bats, which ones didn't. The ones that had bats, we went ahead and sold them bat exclusion. And then for the rest of the property, we set them up on an annual warranty. So the entire neighborhood is under warranty for bats. Um, so for this one, I think the initial job was a few thousand dollars. And then after that, I believe the annual fee was like $5,000. Now this isn't a giant neighborhood. Um, it's, it's a lot of, there's like condominium buildings. So I think it was like 72 units or something like that. Um, but we're charging them an annual fee to cover them for bats. And this job's been going on now for several months and we haven't had any callbacks. We have another customer that's very similar to that. And I, actually um, got this customer uh, by doing an acquisition and they had paid this company that we bought $5,000 a year for the past 10 years um, for bat warranty. And it's similar situation, homeowners association, multiple buildings. And I was really concerned after we acquired it to take that fee from them like, oh man, how many times are we going to go out there? So fast forward a year after we acquired them, I broke down how many visits. I think we went out there like a dozen times off the top of my head. So very profitable and they're happy to pay that annual fee. So that's one example of a, an interesting way to do it. Now the argument would be made though is, well, you would have made way more money from them if you would have just done each bat exclusion as needed, probably so. But I, I don't know if you would have got uh, $50,000 from them. So the company we acquired got $50,000 from them over 10 years. Um, also, some HOAs are, have very small budgets. They don't budget for wildlife removal. And if you go out there swinging for $10,000 here, $10,000 there, they probably can't do it. So rather than us going out and doing big exclusion jobs, we're just doing a very basic service. So, hey, unit 10 called with bats. We're going out there servicing unit 10. We're just focusing on unit 10. We're not even looking at the other ones. We hope that they don't go somewhere else in there. 
Um, but if they do, it's covered. And that's been a, a very profitable customer. And now, you know, over the course of a year, we have a handful of those. Some of them are much smaller than $5,000 a year. Um, we have quite a few that are just paying annual warranty renewals. So for all of those, we're not really going out there unless there's an issue. They're okay. paying that fee. We send them an invoice. Um, they pay the fee and we go out there as needed. Um, so we call those just like blanket warranties or uh, annual warranty renewals. And a lot of times they're species specific um, depending on the situation. And then I guess another scenario that you and I both run into is, is armadillo calls. So we have successfully turned those customers into um, you know monthly subscription customers they call in typical situation they call in they're seeing you know armadillos on their property um, so cases like that there's a, a setup fee which is probably very similar to what most people charge to start an armadillo service um, anywhere from on the low end two hundred dollars upwards of five hundred dollars depending on the size of their property and what all is needed on the front end and then after that there's a monthly fee again based off of the size of their property um on the low end for something like that fifty dollars a month on the high end it could be a couple hundred dollars a month but for residential it's typically you know like around eighty dollars or so a month we're starting that service we're doing the service and we're using motion sensor cameras to monitor the traps so we don't have very much labor going into it and then we just want to trap animals as needed so you know if we don't think that there's more than one armadillo using the property based off of the sign we catch the one we take it off we tell the customer let us know when you see another one and when they have more activity they call us we go back and we'll do the same thing again now in some situations you might have to fire customers. I do believe that there there will be situations you mentioned, you know, a customer asking you to come out every other day. There's gonna be customers that it's just not worth your time. So I think it's just figuring out, um, you know, hey, is this customer gonna be a problem? Setting those expectations with the customer on the front end, if they're calling you repeatedly, you know, uh, hey, we have armadillos again. Okay, can you take a picture of the evidence and send it to us? And that way we can right. verify without going out there. So that's another way to do it. Um, we've done that with the, the customers that have those bat warranties. Hey, we have bats. Are you seeing them fly out of the roof? No, we're just seeing them fly outside. Okay, well, in Florida, we have bats flying around all the time. So um, that's not a big surprise. Do me a favor and can you sit up until you know dusk tonight? Um, or sit up at dusk or dawn or whatever and see if you can see bats going in or out of, of the building. And if you can't, well, then they're probably not going in and out there. They're probably just flying around. You're going to have flyovers. So um, it's kind of just utilizing your customers sometimes as a source to do those inspections and identify, you know, what's really a problem and what's not. I don't think that we've ever had to fire any customers. I think it's more so of, of having customers that expect us to show up every time uh, they call and we will tell them, okay, hey, the past three times we were out there, you didn't have an issue. Um, you know, if you want us to keep coming out, we're gonna charge you an inspection fee. Um, 
because you're, you don't have a problem the past three times we were there. And if they want to cancel, they can cancel. So they, they, get, they have two options. They can cancel the service or they can say, hmm, maybe I'm overreacting. Uh, I'm just going to leave these guys alone and let's see if it really becomes a problem. And then, you know, they go on their merry way. And that's right. had that's happened to us more times than not. Um, we've definitely told a few customers and had to kind of put our foot down, you know, hey, you have this warranty with us, but we don't see that you have an active issue um, based off the last few inspections. We were just there last week. Um, you don't have an issue. You know, if we're on your street in the next couple of weeks, we'll be happy to come by and take a look. But, you know, we're not going to come out there again to show you the same thing. So, you know, do us a favor and, um, you know, let us know when you're 100% confident you have an issue. You know, once somebody has a problem in their attic and they're hearing noises, we all know a branch rubs against the roof or the house settles or whatever it is. And they think everything is a squirrel in the attic again and it might not be yeah. anything. So it's just kind of you kind of have to be a little bit of a psychologist sometimes. So you've mentioned a couple of times both uh, a monthly and an annual uh, fee, you know, cost. What's your yeah. is your preference always to get somebody, you know, on a on it every thirty days, or if you you know for some of those bigger ones, does it make more sense to just send them a bill, you know, once a year because that's when they have the money? Um, you know, what's kind of your you know go back to those. Uh, those two you were talking about two HOA units I've got a couple of HOAs that for beaver work that I do a yearly fee for um, yep. and I and and the problem is just trying to get them to pay you know every January you know by the time you know maybe it's March before I finally get you know I sent the invoice we talked about it you know hey this is what you know if you have a problem you can call me da, 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 da. it just feels like to me it'd be easier to put them on the monthly fee, just divide that number by 12 or even divide it by 10 and give them a, give them a little kickback for doing it by month instead of doing it every year, you know? And like I said, they see your bill come across the, the desk every month, you know, they might call you a little bit more often, but in my situation, I'm planning on charging for whatever I catch, you know, once right. I finally get back on the property, you know, they're just saving an inspection fee in my kind of, um, you know, in my, the way I've got it worked up right now. So what would you like, what are, what's your preference or does, again, does it depend on, you know, the situation, HOA, commercial properties, residential properties, you know, yearly, monthly, yeah. what do you think? So our preference is always monthly. Um, the, uh, the, the blanket warranties we've done uh, once a year, just because we know that, so we're getting paid up front basically for a year. Um, right. So we have that money to allocate to jobs as needed as they have callbacks or hopefully they never do. But if they do, um, we have that for a customer like Beavers. That's a really good opportunity for a monthly fee. I wouldn't give them a discount. You're, you're worth what you're worth. If anything, I might charge a little bit more because they might call me more often. So if you're charging, you know, say $3,000 a year for once a year and you're going out there and doing X number of days of, of beaver trapping, you know, I might charge a little bit more because they, when they see that charge each month, they might call me more. Um, but Makes I, sense. we prefer to set everybody up on auto pay. 
So what that means is we have a credit card on file. We don't have to send anybody an invoice. Um, We have an email address on file. Automatically, each month, the same day, each month, that card gets charged and a receipt gets emailed to that email address. Um, We don't have to do anything. Um, So in in those cases, you know, we don't want to have a big administrative team. Um, you know, handling tons of billing, it doesn't grow your business. You know, I, I, we want to make things as easy as possible. We want to run as lean as a business as possible. If you're a one-man operator, especially the last thing you want to do when you get home at six (laughs) o'clock, seven o'clock is sit down and invoice customers. I know I've been there. It sucks. So try to automate everything that you can. There's actually a really good book about automation and we'll never be able to accomplish this in the wildlife control space, but four hour work week by Tim Ferriss. Um, you can't work four hours a week in wildlife control, but um, there's a lot of good information on there of automating your business. Um, so we've done a lot of those things so that we can work from anywhere, but yeah, auto pay, well, get a card on file, uh, get an ACH on file and you don't have to worry about it every month. Yeah. So on, on, on that, um, you know, for any one man shows like me that are out there listening, what, you know, do you have any uh, systems that you know of that are pretty lean? Because like I said, I don't need routing software. I don't need payroll software, you know, because I've been looking the last week at different, you know, auto pay type reoccurring invoicing systems and that kind of stuff. And they all seem to be pretty, um, they want to be your one-stop shop for your, you know, business kind of thing. Um, you know, so I don't know, like I said, there's a couple of them that I have found that seem to offer what I want, but you know, what's your, do you have any advice on that or has it been so long you've been, you've got the big system now that you don't know any of the small systems? Oh no, no, it wasn't that long ago. No. Um, (laughs) so, you know, we, we, uh, we operate on several different systems because we have like different businesses with different shareholders and we've done partnerships and um so for the small operation where where an operator is going out there and um he doesn't have a big admin team and he just wants to go ahead and he sells that customer and he can go ahead and get a card on file and set up that auto payment square i know i'm not a huge fan of square but i know very easily you can add a customer into that system on your phone while you're sitting there at their dining room table and you can set up auto pay to come out every month. And then, uh, so whatever the the fee is for that, uh, 2.75% or whatever. And then, um, Google calendars and most digital calendars, you can set customers up to repeat on specific days of the month. Like you could say on a Google calendar, the first Monday of every month, you want to service Mr. Smith and check his beaver traps or, you know, whatever it is. Um, right. So you can, you can do that as well. And that's free hundred percent. And there's, I'm sure there's a lot more, but I'm very familiar with Google. We use Google for a lot of different things. Um, so you know, that's an easy way to set people up on a, 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 a route get them all on there on the same day, do the same neighborhoods in the same areas, the, the same day. Right. You don't have to worry about it. You don't have to think about it. You know, Hey, 
next week. I have all these customers in this area and you're going to know if the card doesn't go through uh, with Square because I'm pretty sure it's going to email you, hey, card did not go through. Um, and then you just basically contact the customer. Um, so the bigger right. commercial jobs that we have, so HOAs, for instance, I've yet to be able to get many HOAs on uh, auto pay, but I have been able to get a couple. Um, so I don't know what the secret sauce is there. They're all just their own businesses. But we've, we've been able to successfully convert, you brought up Beavers, some uh, a couple Beaver customers into a highly recurring situation where, you know, they were spending, you know, these are big, big neighborhoods. They were spending fifteen twenty thousand $20,000 a year on Beaver trapping and to cut a check for fifteen twenty thousand $20,000 over, let's say it's $10,000 over a course of six months they have to like raise those funds. I, right. I live in an HOA. I don't really know all the uh, rules about it of, of how they can pull money from uh, homeowners or how it all works. I haven't had to experience that, but right. if you can break it up into a lower monthly fee, it's a lot more doable for them. And they're more likely to agree, you know, if they know, Hey, every year, we're spending X number of dollars on beavers. If you can set it up to where it's a monthly fee and you go out there every month, that doesn't mean that you have to trap uh, every month, but maybe you go out there every month and you do an inspection. Oh, there's a new beaver dam. And then you go ahead and you set some snares or body gripping traps or whatever you use. Um, and you know, you take care of that issue. And then next month you go out and do it again. So we've been able to turn some Beaver customers right now. We have one I know that it's around $3,000 a month trapping Beavers. Um, we have a, a job where it's a business um, that has pigeon issues. Um, it's an industrial type of scenario. And they have us set up on ACH where they're depositing about $2,700 a month um, for pigeon control. And both of those cases, you don't need a pest control license. And the pigeon control one, what we're doing is we're basically trapping one week a month. So we're going out there uh, once, a, once a month. We have our, our pigeon traps set up um, and we're leaving those traps open um, so that the pigeons are using it. And then once a month we go out there and we obviously bait them very heavily we set the traps, we catch, you know, a dozen pigeons and then we pre-bait it really heavy and we go out a month later and it works really well. Um, of course, if you have your pest control license, a little bit easier, you can use Avatrol or different products like that um, for situations like that. Um, but, you know, the, there's, you don't have to have a pest control license to have a lot of recurring revenue. Um, right. And I think even if you don't want to get big, just starting your month already having the sales that you want is a beautiful thing, right? Like imagine, let's say today's the last day of September. Tomorrow, October 1st, you already have $30,000 in sales for the month lined up. Like you already know. Um, I've got all these customers. I got $30,000 worth of customers on auto pay. All their credit cards are going to get charged over the next 30 days. How much better would you sleep at night? Um, 
And I know some smaller pest control operators that are have a 100% recurring business and they're, they're one man shows and they work three weeks a month because they tie all of their customers into those three weeks and they take a week off. I know a right. couple that do that and might be a little bit more difficult with wildlife control, but uh, I, I think you definitely have a lot more work-life balance because like, think about it. If, if you're having a slow week, I don't know if you do this, but I used to do this when I was small. I'm having a slow week. I'm out to dinner with my family or whoever at six o'clock and snake lead comes in, you know, urgent situation. It's just down the road, you know, 15, 10 minutes away. Somebody has a snake in their house and I'm like, well, shoot, I need the money. So I go to the bathroom or the restaurant or walk outside or whatever call them up. Hey, it's going to be five eighty nine to remove the snake. They say, yes, sorry, family. I'm going to get a steak. Here's money for dinner. Uh, I don't know if you've ever done that, but I've, I've done that many times because, Hey, I need the money. I need the five eighty nine. Um, uh, so my go-to, my go-to is I hand my phone to my wife and I'm like, you put in whatever price, uh, you know, you feel like is, uh, is enough to, to interrupt the evening. You know, because yeah, my exactly. wife, my family, it, yeah, exactly. I know exactly what you're talking about. It's happened before, and she's like, she's like, well, I mean, we're we're almost done. We're wrapped up. You can do it on the way home. You know, tell them a hundred bucks. You know, or whatever. It, you know, whatever it was. So yep. yeah, I've I've been there. I understand. I understand that. But yeah, I I think you know the numbers, the numbers that you that you use are probably on a scale of ten times. Uh, the numbers that I see from small individual guys like me, at least the ones that are, you know, that I feel are being honest with their, with their numbers, you know, I'd be happy. I'd be happy with, you know, a hundred clients at $20 a month, you know, every, every month having extra $2,000 in the bank account that I didn't, I didn't, you know, quote unquote, have to work for, you know what I mean? Right. I didn't have to, uh, I didn't have to make that sale that day in order to do that because, you know, it's automatic, you know, would, would 30,000 be nice? Of course. But I think more realistically, you know, as we talked about the other day, I do, I do probably less than 200 clients a year, uh, as far as invoices, you know, to, you know, whatever it is. Um, uh, I, and that's, that's fine with me. You know, that's one, one and a half you know, uh, three, three a week or whatever, you know, whatever that comes out to be. Um, and some of those are honeybees. Some of those are wildlife problems. You know, it, it doesn't really matter, but you know, again, uh, if I could get half of those clients to sign up for a, a monthly fee each year, that's only going to go up and sure. You know, you know, what, what did you say the other day? You know, what's your kind of, uh, how long does a normal, reoccurring revenue customer last, you know, what's kind of the turnover, you know, what in your experience is that turnover number? Yeah. Well, you know, there's no figures or data for wildlife control, but for pest control, I'm pretty sure it's seven years. Um, okay. If, so I think for wildlife control, you're going to get those customers to stick if they can see the value. It's all about providing the value. So if they can right. see the value Absolutely. in it, then it's worth it. Um, there's definitely going to be attrition. We have people cancel. Um, that's fine. They don't want any more, you know, for whatever reason. 
Uh, Netflix is more important. The YMCA is more important. That's fine. Yeah, but we're, you know, we're selling new accounts every month. So, and then you also, one other thing to, to remember too, you have different customers that are going to be more urgent. So not every customer is going to need you uh, that often. So if you're able to get, uh, let's say 20 customers a month set up on recurring and you're selling, you know, five new ones a month, um, you're going to have a couple that, that uh, cancel. Those new ones are going to replace those. You still grew a little bit. Um, right. You're going to have some customers that say, hey, we need service. And you're going to have some people that are just, they just don't even reach out. I don't know if you ever have any customers that just like, they pay you and like you're trying to call them to give them an update and you couldn't find them if, you know, they were a policeman. Um, they're, they're nowhere to be found. You can call them, you can email them. They don't care. They don't want an update. I don't know if you ever knocked on the customer's door to give them an update and look at you like you're an idiot. Like, why are you talking to me? Did you like, did you do it? Good, good. Go, go do the next one. Don't, don't give me updates. So I've got, I've, there's, there's a couple of, uh, there's a couple of communities here that that's the, that's kind of the attitude. Yeah. You know, you barely have time. You, you gotta, you gotta get the gate code ahead of time because the, if they don't, you know, they got to call and let you in the gate. And sometimes the, they don't even want to call and let you in the gate sometimes, even if they even after they've paid for, paid for your service. So I definitely understand that. So yeah, let's, yeah. I, I just had a thought while I was, while I was sitting here on that attrition rate, you know, you've got somebody signed up for, you know, their house on one, two, three main street, you know, and they move around the corner or across town or something like that. Um, and they call you and they're like, Hey, what do we do? You know, what's, have you ever had that situation? Kind of what's your deal? Do you be like, Hey, you've paid for it before. Let me come out and I'll do a, you know, free inspection on the new house before you buy it or something like that. Like, do you have anything like that that you ever run into? Yeah. So usually we'll tell them we'll, we're, we'll cover you as long as we uh, come out and do an inspection first. Um, right. So that's usually what we're doing there. And we just change their address in our system. It's as simple as that. Piece of cake. Um, I was going to mention though, that I think is super important for people to consider is some of these customers are, you know, we've already talked about customers that are big headaches and those guys that don't want to grow. One beautiful thing about creating more of a subscription based company is you get to fire the, the customers that are problematic. So let's say you don't want to service you know, more than a hundred customers or whatever your number is. Um, you know, you, as you have new customers come in that sign up for your recurring service and you're like, well, this is, I don't want to work any more than I currently am. This guy is a pain in the ass. Well, guess what? You can call him and say, Hey, I'm sorry. You know, we're not servicing your street anymore or whatever your reason is. Um, or, or you can tell him, Hey, we'll service you, but you know, we were, you were paying $50 a month. We have to bump it up to a hundred dollars a month. Um, right. and more, more than likely he'll, he'll cancel. So I, I have some buddies that again, have small pest businesses. I also have a friend that has a pool business, cleans pools. They will fire their bad clients as they get new ones. Um, which we don't do that because we'll take them all. But, uh, right. for those of you who don't want to, super big operation you can create a situation 
where you have better customers, right? Quality over quantity. Um, so I think that's another perspective that is, uh, you know, going to make your life better. At the end of the day, that's why we're all working, right? We're trying to create a good life for ourselves and our family and our future. And, you know, we don't want a bunch of negative Nancy's yelling at us about stupid things. Um, so if I can eliminate those people, uh, and, and try to have a, a better customer base, that's more passive and they're not freaking out over things. They're not super urgent about things. Well, I'm going to have a better life and I'm going to be a lot less stressed. So that's a, that's a good tip. So, uh, back to, um, some hard numbers for people and, and not necessarily a hard number as in what the actual number is, but a value what are you looking for? Um, is is your monthly fee always going to be kind of a? We did some math. Uh, it's likely to cost us, you know, X amount of money uh, for this type of service per year. So we want to make sure that it's covered by, you know, let's say two or three houses per how much we want to do it. Or do you just say, or do you go by a um, oh a percent close? So we want that monthly number. We want 80% of our clients to go for that monthly number. If we're at 100%, we're not charging too much. If we're at 50%, we're not charging enough. How do you kind of determine what your monthly uh, fee is for anyone? And I realize that each each service is going to cost something different. But how do you kind of determine what each service is going to cost? Whether it's a percentage of the value yeah. that you're going to need, or whether it's a how much money can we get, you know, on a 80% close rate? Yeah. So, you know, all of our prices, you know, it's so funny because we're a part of the same group on Facebook, Wildlife Control Business Builders. And we see on there a lot. And I love the page. Um, I'm reading more than I'm, I'm uh, you know, Commenting. asking questions on there because there's just a lot of good information. There's a lot of funny stuff, too. But I think... Um, you see people on there asking for pricing all the time and it drives me crazy. And the reason it drives me crazy is all of your pricing should be based off of what your monthly revenue budget is. So, you know, what are your costs? Um, what do you need to achieve to have the profit margin that you're looking for? So all of our prices are based off of this very simple strategy. We know that per technician that we have, we need to generate at least $120 to $150 per hour that they're on site of a property. Um, that's not salespeople. That's not managers. That is technicians. Technicians that are providing the service, the actual service. So if you're one-man operator, you're not just a technician. You're doing other things too. So think about how much time you're going to spend servicing that customer and then, you know, that's what we're charging. Um, coincidentally, those rates are very similar to any of the larger pest control companies that you look at out there. And a lot of them will tell you, you could reach out to them and ask them, hey, what are you guys trying to get per hour? Now, obviously, we're not charging hourly, but we're, we're, we're estimating, okay, this is how much we believe this job is going to take as far as time goes. And then if there's extra materials or supplies or equipment that is necessary to do that job, we might add that in if we don't already have that stuff. Um, so that's how we do all of our pricing and it works out pretty well. 
Um, got good margins, very healthy margins. We're growing. So um, we're very satisfied with the results that we're seeing by doing that. So with these customers, you're going to have some customers that need you a lot, some customers that aren't going to need you at all. Um, the ones that need you more are made up for by the ones that don't need you as often. And, uh, you know, we're looking at the big picture. We're not doing a P&L on every customer. We're looking at, okay, how much revenue did we get from our subscription-based customers and how much time does it, does it take for that technician to service all of those? And I'll tell you right now, we started, so we started um, at this particular location that I'm going to talk about. We started selling recurring services the middle of last year, uh, like June of 2021. So we started um, doing that. We didn't create any policies in place for uh, salespeople to really push it. Um, we didn't increase uh, commissions or anything like that. We probably should have. But um, so we kind of had a tough time initially selling a lot of these. We changed that this year. We increased, we doubled commissions on any recurring services and we annualized it. So for instance, if it's $50 a month, the salesperson doesn't get commission on $50 a month. They get commission on $600. That's after the account has been in place for a couple of months. Um, but we got up to this particular location, very small, few, a few tech, few technicians, um, got it up to $1,400 a month in recurring as of January this year. Right now, it's sitting at $16,000. Um, and we did no advertising for pest control, uh, very minimal advertising budget for wildlife. All of our leads are mostly organic, um, just focusing on Google, my business, and SEO. And we do a lot of networking and uh, reaching out to property managers. But the small sales team that we have there went from $1,000 a month, basically, to 17000 in uh, you know seven months or eight months, excuse me. So very doable. So for you one op one man operators that are questioning recurring revenue, um, we have one technician servicing all of these, and he's servicing all of our one time services that are trapping related. So animals in the attic. So when you add up how much he's doing for these route-based customers, these subscription customers, and add in all of the one-times, he's able to complete about $400,000 a year in services. Um, so very, very beneficial, uh, whether you wanna grow or stay where you're at. Um, and I mean, we know that, hey, by this time next year, we're gonna be doing probably close, we're gonna double that. Um, and so on and so forth. We know we'll probably double every year. Um, you know, obviously we want to get more aggressive and advertise for pest control. We can, we probably won't, um, because what we're doing is working out really well. We're not spending a lot of money on getting those leads. And it's just, it's been very easy for us to grow that way. And we're starting each month with a higher base, not a huge growth spurt. Um, but, uh, you know, it's obviously better than going out and having to hunt down a new sale every month. Um, so it's been very beneficial for us. 
I'm about out of questions for you. We've covered everything, I think. <laughs> I mean, obviously, we keep on talking for days and days and days. Um, I'm sure yeah, we've got work to do. I've got a I've got a honeybee job work. that I need to go do here in an hour. Oh yeah, this is different kind of work for sure. This you is know. work. Uh, well, I, I'm glad if I if I did answer all your questions, I'm glad. And I know we've kind of I've talked about this subject a lot. It's it's because you know deep down I would like to see our industry change a little bit more to this model. I know it's going to take time. Um, but at the end of the day, if you are in business to make a living, I don't think there's anybody that's listening to this that is, is in wildlife control just because we love trapping. We obviously need to make income for ourselves and our families. So if you're going to do that, you might as well make it as profitable as possible, as easy as possible, and as valuable as possible. Um, so you don't end up stuck with a business you can't sell like that guy you talked about. Um, right. So. Uh, appreciate you uh, spending the morning with me, man. Absolutely. It was great. We need to uh, have a chat or if I ever make it down there to Florida or whatever, you know, or you come, I don't know why you would come to Oklahoma, but, you know, some people do, I guess. <laughs> I, I would go to Oklahoma um, for deer hunting. That's about the only yeah, reason I've I got, would ever go to Oklahoma. I've got places and if you uh if you're if you do archery stuff we've got a really uh really good non-resident archery one tag and you get all six deer that it's attached to it two bucks and however many does you want to shoot so i've got places you, i mean i can sit i can sit in my backyard and do it but that's not as fun as going to some of the no, other places i have so no i want to see the oklahoma landscape if i go and get out there in the wild um no i don't really bow hunt that much uh i used to but uh, I, I need to get back into it. But uh, as far as gun hunting goes, uh -huh. I will whack six bucks or six deer, whatever it is, be happy to. And, crossbows, uh, crossbows, are, crossbows are also illegal in our general archery season as well. So real, awesome. real simple, will, we've got some uh, easy stuff. So yeah, you just, uh, you just name a date and come on out and I'll take care of you, so. Dude, I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Yeah, and uh, you come down here to South as Florida long as you, and I'll as long as you find uh, give you a good time. I was going to say, you just find me somewhere where we can go down and shoot iguanas with an air rifle and get paid for it. Oh, I got Actually, it. I don't need to get I don't need to get paid for it, but I, I love got those guys for that. that watch those videos and everything. I love that stuff. That'd be so much fun. I mean, because we, we have pigeons around here that we go, you know, shoot with air rifles, not iguanas. There's a lake so. uh, about a mile from where I live, and last time I was there, I counted 42 iguanas. So, no, no shortage <laughs> of iguanas. All right, TJ. Thank you so much, man. Appreciate you, and we'll talk. I appreciate to you. it. All right, talk to you later. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode. It was brought to you by Conserve. Do you run a wildlife removal business and feel like you have no freedom? You're taking the phone calls, you're doing the services, and you just don't have enough free time for yourself. Are you ready to double or triple the size of your company and build a business that can run and grow without you while steadily increasing your profits? Well, Conserve partners with businesses just like yours all over the country, and together we are building a fast-growing business around your goals and lifestyle. We can reduce your operating costs, we can increase your sales, and give you, the owner, more freedom 
and help you build a business that runs and grows without you. To set up an initial consultation, email us at growth at conservemail.com. That's G-R-O-W-T-H at C-O-N-S-E-R-V-M-A-I-L dot com.